Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Who are you? Let me just ask you that again. Who are you?
diamond of it all. Knowing how you actually want to feel is the most potent form of clarity that you can have. And generating those feelings is the most powerfully creative thing that you can do with your life. It is your birthright to have your desires fulfilled. Every desire is a prayer. Desire is the underpinning of manifestation. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was Daniel Laporte, Desire is Divine. Every thought is a prayer. Make sure it's a good one, (laughs) just in case. And it's been something that I've been working on a lot for the last year and a half, to just be really vigilant to the thoughts that I'm creating and the thoughts that I'm not even conscious that I'm creating. So let's imagine that um, inside of the body, right behind your eyes, it's you. The soul is sitting there. And the soul is carrying a whole bunch of programming, right? Some programs you're using and some of them you really don't need to use anymore. The thing is, the programs that you don't need to use anymore are still taking energy from you, are still taking life from you. They're still somehow slipping in and slipping out when a thought... Uh, arises because you've heard a music, um, a song, you've seen the face of a person, you've heard of a situation. Something sparks the memory of the past and it comes back, but it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with your present peace and your present power. So those programmings is what we want to get out of the way. So we don't want those thoughts to become any more of a prayer because what we want are the thoughts that are pushing us and rather pulling us rather to our vision. Remember, past will push you back, but the vision will pull you forward. Always remember that. I got that from my friend Michael Beckwith from Agape. The past will push you back, pushes you down, but your vision, your destiny, your to be continued is really where you need to put most of your thought energy in. So I've been paying a lot of attention to that, and I want you to do the same. If you have not heard about the global citizens and the movement of the global citizen, you need to do it today. After the show, I need you to go to globalcitizen.org and sign up with them so that you can participate in some of the enormous good work that they're doing in helping girls and women, health, education, finance, food and hunger, water, sanitation, the environment, citizenship, everything that the UN has been wanting to work on. The global citizen movement has been really bringing people together. I had the privilege of being there um, while they were doing their 2019 Global Citizen Festival in New York in Central Park, and there have been so far a lot of amazing things happening since then. Ben Platt did something as simple as waving to mom and dad while he was on stage. Just think about that. To just think about the person or the people that created you to remember that they are valuable. 
leaders are now committed more to education in which um, Yasmin Sheriff offered uh, edu- Education Cannot Wait. She's the executive director for the Global Education Cannot Wait Fund. Um, Nigeria's Plateau State Governor pledged to end open defecation by 2023. One Republic, they sung their song on Halo. Alicia Keys mashed up the place. And, of course, Carol King that made me remember how old I really am. And it was the first time she was performing in Central Park since 1973. Can you imagine that? That's amazing. It's also committed to gender equality. Dakota Johnson, who I had the privilege of having some really nice heart-to-heart time with, spoke up on the survivors of sexual violence, and she's now also launched a new podcast. Did you know that? Called The Left Ear. And she sent out her number, 212-653-8806, for you to share stories about things that have happened to you and to see how we can best help and support your story as well. So as you can see, it's really doing a lot of good. And if you are designed to be good in your spirit, you'll attract more good, and that's what the world needs now. And talking about good, I was in California last week, and I had the fortune of sharing a panel with Amadine Rocher, who's going to be joining us on air just in a second now. And Amadine and I really had a nice connection. We not only sat and had lunch together, but we shared the panel together, and we ended up really really connecting and realizing that really we can pull our resources together and do a lot more good in the planet. So let me give you an idea about Amandine and her work. She's a human rights lawyer, and her life changed after she met with the Dalai Lama at the age of 18. You know, following this meeting, she studied human rights and wrote her political science thesis about the Panchen Lama, the youngest prisoner in the world kidnapped by the Chinese. Now, the second life-changing event that took place in Amandine's life was in September 2001, when she was invited by the Taliban in Afghanistan. Afterwards, she decided to come back and commit herself to the country. Now, these experiences compelled her to pursue the path of peace-building and conflict resolution. She has consulted with the United Nations Department of Peacekeeping, European Commission, UNICEF, UN Women, USAID. You get an idea, to name just a few. So for the past 10 years, she has worked and lived on and off in Kabul. Amandine's current peace-building efforts focus on democracy, election, human rights, freedom of expression, education, media awareness, gender equality, youth empowerment as a means for attaining nonviolence. She's a member and advisor of the Afghanistan International Human Rights Film Festival and board director in charge of humanitarian projects for the Better World Forum. It gives me great pleasure to welcome my sweet sister, Amandine Roche. Hey, welcome. Om Shanti. <laughs> Um, Shanti, Sister Jena, thank you for this kind introduction and good to find you here again. Absolutely. Now, you have certainly been living a life of service to humanity. What inspired your interest in advocating, especially for human rights and the work that you're doing, especially in Afghanistan? Yeah, I feel it's to raise the level of consciousness and to put some light and healing. This is what the world needs right now, more than ever. My first inspiration was my mother. She's a Buddhist refugee and she fled for the communist regime. And at early age, she brought me to all the Amnesty International gathering, asking me to sign some petition to release some political prisoner in jail. And uh, 
writing against torture and the world. And I realized without knowing that she did sew a seed of inner right, human right mm. and peace within myself. So she was my first inspiration indeed. Mm, don't we just love our mothers? And then what happened after that as you started to well, uh, shape and mold yourself? Yeah, exactly. So even my... Pardon me. My my grandmother is um, also a feminist. She always uh, focused on women in the world, and all her granddaughters. She was doing her own education to be at service of the world. She was always contributing to UN cause or border without border and the uh, Red Cross. And all my cousins uh, become humanitarian at the end. So I realized he had a big influence into my life. And as you described, definitely meeting his holiness the Dalai Lama at a young age was my role model, my mentor. Mm-hmm. He's the one that I follow for 25 years now. And I met also a spiritual master like Amal, the hugging saint from India, who, have been, who had a big impact into my life as well, more okay. as an incarnation of a divine feminine. But so when I met the Dalai Lama, uh, inspired me so much that I had the idea to focus and study human rights, join the United Nations, and if possible, bring back the Dalai Lama to Tibet, which is completely idealistic. But at least it gave me a, a, a direction and a focus in my studies, and it allowed me to join the United Nations at the age of 25, where I started mm-hmm. my first mission in Central Asia, first in Uzbekistan, and after in Tajikistan, working with the Afghan refugees who were fleeing Afghanistan from the Taliban regime. And when I met this population, I realized that it's not what we read in the news. These people are so generous, so loyal, so mm-hmm. hospitable, and so uh, resilient and courageous at the same time. And I kind of fell in love with them. I, I was so blown away by their spirit. And uh, I decided to visit the country. I was writing a book at this time on the footsteps of a Swiss adventurer. And I end up in Kabul by chance, but I believe there is no chance. September 11, 2001, invited by the Taliban, as you mentioned. And mm-hmm. my life completely shifted afterward because I spent <laughs> the last 14 years in this country That's on and off. That's amazing. Because... That's amazing. When I was on the panel with you for the Visionaries um, Summit in California a while back, which was sponsored by the wonderful Shift Network, I was so floored. When I look at you, here here you are, this tall, beautiful, blonde, was it blue or green eyes, and there you are in the Middle East in a conflict zone area. I was thinking to myself, what pulls her there? What is it that would make her go there? So there you've been for the last 14 years in conflict zones working on peace, on peace and the human rights. So Tell us about that. What was it like being in those zones at a time in which, you know, you must recognize that your life could be a danger. At any moment, something could happen to you. Did you ever have those feelings? Oh, many times, indeed. But, you know, it's funny you say that because I never think about my external appearance. So for me, I'm more Mm -hmm. like a Tibetan, an Afghan, or a Syrian inside. So I completely forgot how I look like, to tell you the truth. And um, that's funny you say that because it's true at the age of 21, I could have taken completely another path. I was dating a prince at this time and was living in a castle in south of France. So on the paper, everything would have been perfect. I could have married him, living in my castle, having three beautiful kids, and everything would have been perfect. But 
it happened that I took another direction. And why I took another direction to answer your question is because at 18, just after a month after meeting the Dalai Lama, I had a car accident. And during my car accident, I had a near-death experience, which literally I died. Um, I went out of my body, went to the light, and I went to you call it whatever, paradise, I mean, pure light, and a voice welcome me and say, welcome. But just to let you know, you didn't finish your mission on earth. And mm. I came back. But when I came back, I came back transformed and asking myself, okay, so if I have a mission, what is my mission? And I asked myself again and again, and I realized my mission on earth is to raise the level of consciousness, is to contribute and be at service of the world for a better world, for peace, for peace for humankind, actually, and reconciliation. And I didn't expect that when I commit myself for peace, I would be brought to a darkness place on this planet. <laughs> mm. And uh, it was not so dark for me because I do love Afghanistan and I see the, the beauty of the people and the tradition and the culture. And so, yes, but indeed, to answer your question, it was a rocky road, not an easy path. I was evacuated mm. four times from Afghanistan for security reasons. The first time was uh, in September 11 with my partner with whom I was traveling, we were detained and exchanged by the Taliban before the American bombing. And in 2004, when I joined United Nations as the head of civic education program for, for Kabul region with United Nations, three of my international colleagues got kidnapped in front of my office. And in 2009, six of my international colleagues got assassinated by the Taliban in August hours. And finally, in 2014, I did face a suicide bomber, this guy as a woman in a polling station, and plus the bombing and the death threat. I mean, on the daily basis, we live like an Afghan population, and which is quite something because... You, you feel like you're on adrenaline because indeed you don't know if you're going to be alive by the end of the day. But at the same time, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really damaging your mind and your body because you are so stressed. <laughs> and I wasn't yeah, aware of that. Yeah. Of yeah. course. So, so what, what kept bringing you back again and again? I have to say, uh, my soul belongs to Afghanistan. I just cannot explain that. Um, mm. When I first applied for a visa, and uh, the Taliban saw my name and uh, they told me I don't need a visa. I'm already Afghan. And I was laughing because my name is typically French. Amandine is French Amanda and Roche means a rock in French. It's very French. And I asked mm-hmm. them, why do you say I'm Afghan? I'm not, obviously. And they say, oh, but you are Amanodin Roche. Aman stands for peace and security, Din for religion and Roche for joy. Amanodin wow. Roche means a happy protector of peace. And they say mm-hmm. that it's a sign for God from Allah. And uh, in this case, I don't need a visa. I will be an owner guest of the Taliban. And uh, it makes me smile because when I came to Afghanistan, everybody came to see me and say, Hush Amandi, Hush Amandi. I say, how do you know my name? Because it's like Amandine Hush, but opposite way of saying it, Hush Amandi. And I realized, I asked them and they say, oh, Hoshamanin means you are welcome. So I realized my name matched in the two cents. You are welcome, happy protector of peace. <laughs> and I said, mm, wow, very interesting. <laughs> Indeed, the power of a name, huh? And when, when I hear your story, Amandine, I would think that 
it's just karma. I mean, I would look at it that your soul must have played a very significant role in a previous incarnation, and it's not finished. You want to see your Afghanistan come back to what it can be. Um, in 2011, you created the Am- Amanuddin, is that right? The Amanuddin yes. Foundation, Foundation in Kabul. In Kabul. Mm-hmm. What is the mission mm-hmm. of the foundation and your vision for its future? Yes, so Amanuddin Foundation is very clear. So after being uh, evacuated so many times, I spent a lot of time in India and to reflect about my life and to, you know, I realized the Dalai Lama was such a master for me, not only on human rights, but on meditation. So after all this uh, trauma, I decided to go back to Dharamsala, where I, I wrote my political science thesis, and just to, to, to learn how to meditate. And I did a Vipassana meditation with Goenka, and I went to his Holiness Dalai Lama uh, Buddhist class. And I remember doing one of the course, he say, and he looked at us, he said, you cannot bring outer peace without focusing on inner peace. And it resonated deep within my slave because I asked myself who I am to work for United Nations. If I'm completely broken, depressed, or burnout inside, I should better work on healing myself first because I'm not going to serve the population I'm about to serve right now. I should better stay at home. So instead, I took my backpack and I went all around India for more than a year in 2008 just to spend with spiritual master who teach inner peace and nonviolence such as Kamapa and Goenka was still alive at this time. I spent a lot of time in uh, Sevagram Maharashtra, Gandhi Ashram. I took my nonviolent vows. I spent three months with Amma in Amritapur in Kerala. A lot of time also in Tirumalabalai, just by Sri Ramana Ramashi Ashram and um, Theosophy and Mother Teresa in Calcutta. I mean, literally merging myself in the Indian culture, which I adore. I always felt Indian inside as well. I always felt attracted by Bhagavad Gita or by Monkailash or by Varanasi. I've been in India for 25 years every year, so it's not like... Mm-hmm. But I wanted to deepen my knowledge about this wisdom. And, and I realized every time I was following Gandhi Ashram or Gandhi Center, every time there was this picture of Abdul Ghaffarhan who became my main inspiration. Abdul Ghaffarhan was a non and soldier of Islam, best friend of Gandhi, fighting the, Chi- uh, the ah. not the Chinese, but the British Empire. And I mean, not fighting, but at least resisting non-violently. And I realized, as much as everybody knows about Gandhi, nobody knows about Bacharan, Abdul Ghaffarhan. And I felt like it was time for, to wake up his legacy. So I decided to come back to Afghanistan because United Nations asked me to come back to work on the peace process democratization. But at the same time, When I came back, I started to teach yoga meditation. And more I was teaching yoga meditation to my colleagues and my friends, more Mm -hmm. my Afghan friends were telling me we need that because we can feel the benefit for mental health and sanity. And Mm -hmm. naturally, the idea of creating this foundation came, say 90% of the Afghan population suffer of post-traumatic stress disorder because of 25 years of war. Nothing has been Mm -hmm. done on mental health. It's time to open up this uh, technique of nonviolence and inner peace in jail, within the army, in school, in women's shelters, within the Taliban community. And this is how the idea of the vision of Ahmadou income to wake up the legacy of Abdul Ghaffarhan and bring the, all the nonviolent technique to heal 
the invisible wound of war of Afghan population. And mm, so wow. with my Afghan friend, we create the Torch of Light School. It's a school with 250 kids with from the uh, uh, Taliban area of Kabul. And the kids, we teach them secular values and we teach them about nonviolence and peace education wow. and all the religion just to open them up to the world. Mm, well, it seems that the foundation is definitely having a very good impact. Um, in 2017, you continued to, I guess, unfold. You know how one thing starts and it leads into another, then another, then another. Um, you've created the Inner Peacekeeping Curriculum Program, which has been approved by the United Nations. So congratulations to that. Isn't that wonderful? Um, what does this curriculum actually offer, and how has it been implemented? Yes, so uh, when I, I, I came back from Afghanistan in 2014 and I was reflecting again about my life in a yoga meditation retreat in U.S., I realized that a lot of my colleagues, UN colleagues on the front line were reaching out to me, asking me a new yoga meditation retreat. And I become like a wellness focal point for United Nations. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I wonder myself, say, why I should be the one? I mean, I don't mind to do it. So I wrote to Ban Ki-moon, my UN boss at this time, and, and, I, and, I, and I just told him about my story and the story of all my colleagues, and asking him what does he do for the mental health and sanity of his staff on the front line, and why there is no any follow-up after our mission. And so mm-hmm. he, he kindly asked me to come in his office, and we had a proper chat, and at the end I say, you know, I'm a human rights lawyer, I'm not a soldier, I would have loved to know what I signed for, and I would have loved to uh, know what is PTSD before spending 14 years in Afghanistan and spending all my life on healing afterward. I try all right. the healing techniques such as hypnosis or EMDR or EFT or Reiki. I mean, you name it, I try everything. And, and, and because, so because, say, because one second, because you started to handle, you started to be affected and you were now experiencing PTSD. Is that correct? Yes, I have post-traumatic stress mm. disorder. I realize uh, I have so much flashback about what I witnessed. I realized I was oh. depressed. I was disconnected. I was off, and I didn't want. I didn't have any meaning in my life. I was not wow. eager. I was not passionate. I was didn't want to be on earth anymore, actually, because um, I felt yeah, it was too much to digest. To tell you the truth, and you know, I realized what is PTSD. It's a disease of not willing to be present and when you have a post-traumatic stress disorder you are like 75% dead and I was not aware of that Mm. so from outside my body was still efficiently working but inside my soul was out of my body so uh, I was just from outside looking okay but inside there was nobody you know what I mean? So that's yeah. why all these techniques are so powerful because they reconnect mind, body, and spirit. And these techniques yeah. allow you to come back to life. And it's what I point out to Ban Ki-moon. I say, okay, you have so many staff on the front line, but they are all zombie. You know, they are dead mm. living. And they, what did he say? Can, what did he say? They cannot incarnate peace. That's it. And you say, I'm very aware of that. We have ins- we receive insult letter every day resignation letter every day we don't know what to do i said well let me tell wow. you i can have some idea for you at least you should prepare 
much better, like offering the tool of inner peace to prevent burnout, to, to prevent PTSD before. Because if only I would have known about PTSD, I would have been more careful and not right. fully focusing myself on this mission like that, but more taking care of myself, which you never learn about in school, obviously. So at least you need some preparation training before being sent in war zone or conflict zone or on front line. And so I agree on that. And I say, you know, I saw in a... In uh, Google, there is this amazing program called Search Inside Yourself on Mindfulness, Emotional Intelligence, Conscious Leadership, and Neuroscience. Why not we bring that? So I received a scholarship to study one year there. And when they sent me to Haiti for six months, I was teaching a program there. And by the end of the six months, my colleagues say, that's a good program, but it's really not adapted to the field. You should better do something focused more on stress management, on mental health, on yoga, meditation, body movement. So I went back to see Ban Ki-moon cabinet and we decided to create the Inner Peacekeeping program, which is a program right. where we bring all the tools of stress management, mental health, inner peace. And um, so I fundraised for that, hired a team, and at the end, we designed a curriculum and test the tri- curriculum in Middle East and send a monitoring and evaluation team. And at the end, the program proves that it works well and increase the mindfulness and increase the, the ability to to take care of yourself. So simple mm-hmm. as that. And to prevent burnout and to does. prevent PTSD. I bet it, I, I bet it does. Um, what's interesting is, it, and it's something that I have continued to investigate is the inability for our souls to just let go at times, to let go of the memories, to let go of the experiences, and to be more focused on the vision, you know, what pulls you into the future. And and I continue to investigate this on a day-to-day basis because it is true, we do need to be able to have moments of stillness and connect to a higher power so that we can feel that strength coming in to have the courage to let go and believe in something bigger or better than what our past has been. And, and it's a great thing that you have done by inviting that into the, the program. It, it, we just don't know. We, we, we don't know, but what, like you said, when you're walking around like a zombie, where like your soul is not in the body, you're like, wait, one morning you must have gotten up and say to yourself, this isn't me. This isn't me, you know. So based on your experience, Amandine, what have you found to be some of the invisible wounds of war and how can they best be addressed? Yes, you know, I realize invisible wound of war is exactly what you just described, which means you are disconnected. And all the tools I mentioned to you, yoga, meditation, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, or even breathing exercise are all the tools that help you to bring back the soul inside the body. And so um, I wanted to push the vision further. And last year, what I did, I went back to refugee camp in Jordan, in Zatari, in Mafrak, and I tried this technique, tool of inner peace and nonviolence within the women refugee community, Syrian refugees. And surprisingly, after spending days with them, I realized it works as much, of course, as with humanitarian. And they love it so much that by the end of the day, I can see them. They were dancing and feeling so alive. And when I even one of them, she said she wants to become the Mandela of Syria. So imagine that, mm-hmm. because I teach mm-hmm. them nonviolent communication as well. And I realized that 
I got something very special here because my job with United Nations was working on women empowerment. So it means encouraging women to become a leader in their country or helping them to do their electoral campaign to become deputy senator or helping them, train them to become civic educators and explaining to the population what is human rights, what is democracy. But now I realize with this curriculum and this technique, I can empower the woman from within, which means do, doing woman empowerment yes. and, and help yes. them to go deep within themselves to figure out who they are, what is this life path, what is the sole purpose, and what gift, artistic gifts they can offer to the world. So this is how the vision of Inner Peace Corp came up, the organization to implement all the tools of inner peacekeeping in order to transform mm-hmm. refugee camp into healing camp, where indeed we heal the invisible wound of war, but we restore human dignity and we develop creativity through joy by developing the gift of artistic gifts of these women refugees. And once they develop their gift, we ha- can help them to go back into society and become messenger of peace. That's so important. So when you look at peace as, um, I guess, the ideal um, way to live our our lives, what does peace mean to you? How does Amandine um, experience peace for herself? For me, peace is silence and stillness. Mm. And when you do that and you do your silence and your stillness, what method do you apply to get there? So, you know, for those of you who are listening to our conversation, I'm having this wonderful dialogue with uh, peacekeeper and humanitarian rights lawyer Amandine Roche, Roche, Roche or Roche? In French, it's Roche. In Spanish, Roche. it's Roche. <laughs> Roche, right, Roche. And we had actually shared a, a panel together in in California a while back for the Visionary Summit. And today, Amandine is talking a lot about her work in really bringing well-being not only to the peacekeepers from the UN and people on the front line, but to even countries like Afghanistan in the Middle East. And so she's really giving us some insights on just her passion and how her passion has been moving her. So my question again is, you know, what kind of a method have you used? Because you are in a real, real volatile situation where, you just don't know what might happen around the corner in the next minute. And yet, you know, you, you, you charter through, Amandine. You keep going. So, I mean, how do you practice maintaining or keeping your inner peace? Mm, that's a real question because I do believe you have to walk the talk. Who are you mm. to walk in the peace in the world if you don't embody what you're preaching? So definitely I have my spiritual practice, which I do every day. So first I have five non-negotiable, which is if I'm not feeling okay, I double check. Did I eat properly? Which is organic. I mean, like I'm vegan, so it has to be very healthy food. Did I drink enough water? Did I sleep enough? Did I do my yoga meditation practice? And did I do my journaling or being followed with a therapist on, on any case. I try to at least once a week or any two weeks to double check with a coach or if, if I'm doing okay. Otherwise, I'm always reflecting on the five non-violent vows which I took in Sevagram Ashram in um, 2008 
with the Gandhian family and it's I'm not going to kill so I'm not going to encourage anybody to kill to feed me I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie even lie to myself if I'm not feeling okay I have to be true to myself I'm not going to steal I'm not going to take any intoxicant and I'm not going to have any sexual misconduct this is my prerequisite to keep my inner peace Mm. after what I do I do a grounding exercise where I visualize that my my I have some roots under my feet and I'm really grateful for planet earth so I do a gratitude exercise to be alive and to thanks Mother Earth, to nurture hers. And also I visualize myself um, in a protection light bubble as well because I'm an empath and I realize mm-hmm. exposing myself in such environment, I do that especially when I'm in, a, I'm in refugees because I'm so empath that I listen to all the story, but after it's difficult for me to digest. So at least yeah, I can still listen a- with compassion. But yes, so pause there. I'm sure. so pause there. Yes. Being an empath means you are so susceptible to all the energies and the vibrations, Amandine. How do you manage that? Because I have so many friends from the Middle East, and one of the things they do share with me is the importance of inner peace. They really want inner peace. So when they're unloading all of their pains and sufferings and Sometimes, most of the times, they're even afraid to actually tell you what they're feeling or what they're going through. And you must be picking up that fear. How do you manage that? How do you separate that in terms of that belongs over here and this is who I am? What method have you used? Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out that. We call it vicarious stress, which is a stress mm-hmm. we accumulate just by listening to other story and exposing ourselves in tough environment like this one. And I, 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 I learned it at a price because in 2004, when I got evacuated, it's already 15 years ago, when I got evacuated for the second time from Afghanistan, I came back with a belly like three months pregnant. And everybody congratulated me. And I say, I'm sorry, but I'm not pregnant. And I have to, to double check with the IU healer what happened to me and when he put his hand on my belly he looked at me and said where have you been I can see there is polder of cannon there is bombing and there is assassination and where have you, did you expose yourself so well I'm back from two years in from Afghanistan he said well let me tell you something don't go back because you are a sponge and you just just like absorb all this negativity but you don't know how to digest it so I asked him well, what should I do in this case he said you have to learn how to meditate but really meditate mm. which means it goes through you, but it doesn't remain within you. And that's why all these techniques. So to answer your question, I have many tricks. I need to do sport. I need to run. I need to swim. I need to dance. And when I do so, I visualize what, what don't, don't belongs to me. Get out of my system. I take some baths with Epsom salt. Like I really visualize that it's out of me. But mainly, most, most of everything, like before engaging myself with this population and in this environment, I do my grounding exercise because no matter what, mm. I'm not going to fall down by listening to the story and I'm going to remain grounded to who I am. And and mm. this is all this technique which I didn't have before. And that's the reason why I accumulate PTSD in the past. But now I'm just back from Tunisia where I taught uh, 33 women from Libya who have been attacked by ISIS. We spent a week together. And I'm telling you, if I didn't have this technique, I would have come back completely depressed because listening yeah. to their horrible story, like, I mean, I don't want to share online, that horrible, horrible story, 
uh, I would have not be so joyful to speak with you today. You know what I mean? I would have been crying sure. and depressed. But now I realize it belongs to them. I came to do my part, which means to heal them from this trauma that they accumulate and, and, and live in the past because they're completely stuck in the past at the end. And this technique now helps them to fly again. Good girl. Congratulations. That's a really profound place to be because we do pick up each other's stuff at times. And how do we process it and recognize, you know, that that really isn't my stuff. I am here in this role, in this capacity. And when I leave, I leave as me. It's interesting because you and I weren't born human rights lawyers or spiritual advisor or yogis or meditators. We were born as souls, as children, about to play out a part that we have no idea how it's going to unfold, but we're moving. We're moving, and things come and things go. Um, Amandine, what would you say has been perhaps the greatest accomplishment that you've witnessed at this time, and what would you still like to see accomplished? Accomplishment, you mean in my life? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, uh, when... Um, when I was in Afghanistan, I really feel at the right place, right time, just after the Taliban regime. And, and, and listening my inner voice, that's my best accomplishment, because everybody's always so courageous. I say, what is really courageous in life? What is courageous in life is to follow your heart. And uh, I don't see any act of courage standing 14 years in Afghanistan, but I see act of courage to follow your heart. And because I follow my heart, after... I came back from Paris to Kabul with my friend by car just to commit myself for Afghanistan. And it was a big accomplishment because I joined United Nations. And by joining United Nations, I was able to wake up the country and wake up the women of this country to take the lead. And when by doing so, I realized that's my mission. This is exactly what I was looking for. I was born a woman and not by mistake, actually, because I do believe mm-hmm. that the women on this world are messengers of peace. They are creator. And I realize that the women on this planet have been abused, exploding, and raped as much as Mother Earth has been abused, exploded, mm-hmm. and raped by men. And as much as I've been abused, exploded, and raped by men. But by putting myself back on my throne of divine feminine, by doing all this spiritual technique and practice, it helped me to put back all these women on the planet on their throne of divine feminine. And by doing so, it's my way to heal planet Earth. Because mm. by doing so, you rebalance the feminine and the masculine in the world. And I realize what I'm doing right now with all these women broken in refugee camp is an ecological act to heal Mother Earth. It's really connected to environment and really help to shift into a new energy frequency of the yin energy, which is what all women can incarnate in this world, which is peace, compassion, love, care, bliss, harmony. I mean, all what the feminine values incarnate. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what's on the horizon for you now? Well, you know, uh, we are uh, fundraising right now with Inner Peace Corps to open a women healing centers at Mafrak, at the border of Syria and Jordan. And it will be the first healing place and well-being place for Syrian re- women refugees where we're going really to work on them to uh, put them back alive and heal their PTSD 
and develop their inner gift, artistic gift, with many workshops. And uh, once this uh, healing center will be well implemented, we can duplicate it in so many other refugee camps around the world. And if anyone would like to help in supporting that vision, what's the best contact information for you? Uh, we are building the innerpeacecore.org organization right now, so the best is to reach out to me, amandineroche.com. A-M-A-N-D-I-N-E-A-M-A-N-D-I-N-E-R-O-C-H-E.com. Beautiful. Amandine Roche, thank you so much for joining us on air today. Really, really love your story and your courage and light and perseverance and can only continue to wish you continued protection, love, and peace on your journey. Thanks for joining us on air today. Thank you very much, Sister Jena. It's a great joy to connect with you, be with you, and thank you, thank you for being such an inspiration in the world as well, for peace and compassion. Beautiful. Take good care. Isn't it interesting, folks, how you can just get a call, this this ability within you that starts to really pull you further and further into a completely different narrative, one that you wouldn't be necessarily focused on like that wasn't really what she was planning to do and yet her destiny took her there so you know who are we you know we walk around thinking that we know who we are but we don't destiny has definitely a bigger story prepared for us and we have to be ready for that we've got to be prepared we've got to be ready and we got to know what it is that you know we're, we're we're getting prepared for we're getting prepared for so i hope you enjoyed my conversation with amadine rush and you can reach her at a m a n d i n e r o c h e dot com for more information and help her out on her program and, and see what's going on and volunteer your time you never know what can happen in your life and how things can change as you all know and every one of the ending of my shows i inspire you to Remember to love everybody the same and um, bring your light into the world so that others can shine as bright too. So just remember that no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's continue to amplify love more and more because we definitely need that. And I'm going to play Pharrell Williams' song, Happy, because we were just together a few days ago. So why not end today's conversation on a happy note? Take care, everyone, and keep happy. Thank you.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.